keep an open door and an open mind. Living with an open door means we're going to let people into our lives, into our homes. And we're going to make room in our schedules to do that for, for those who may be different than us or have extremely different opinions on life or religion or politics and culture. This takes intention. Remember, we're talking about living as salt and light in a divided culture. We're not talking about how to avoid it. So yeah, guess what? You might need to open up your calendars. Pick a night of the week. Do something. Invite someone over. So you know, that that family's very different than ours. Or they're always putting out signs in their yard, and I don't agree with it. Great, have them over. You'll be amazed at how much can change between two people or two groups of people or two families if we just sit down and have a meal together and listen and discuss. the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okay, rocking today. Glad to have you back. Glad to be doing another episode of the Everyday Disciple Podcast. Thanks for being here. It's awesome. Let me ask you, are you getting outside more these days? It feels like like the switch got thrown. I don't know if it's everywhere, but like, you know, in the whole country here, at least in America, I know we got folks, family listening from all over the world, but here in the States, like like 90% of the country or something was under snow three weeks ago, and now it's like summer, <laughs> or at least a good spring, right? And it seems like people are out and about. So I don't know. I'm loving it. The people we've been coaching have been saying the same thing, which is all over the world. Like the opportunities for engagement seem to be way up again. And I got to be honest with you, life just feels better when it's sunnier and warmer and all of that, right? (laughs) Oh, I hope that's where, I hope that's the case where you're at. It's not been that way every day here, but it's certainly, we've turned the corner and not only with the weather, but like I said, with just how it feels and people's openness and, uh, a lot of stuff going on in the community, so that's awesome. Hey, I want to uh, read a review that came in for the podcast. We always try to do that if we have time. Uh, here's one that came in from Kayla Proctor. I know Kayla. She says, powerful, purposeful, practical. Wow, good headline. Yeah, she says, are you stuck personally or in your ministry? If you wanted to be challenged, encouraged, or equipped, this is the podcast for you. Caesar takes you beyond feel-good niceties and really gets to the heart of the matter and shows how we get to influence our communities through the lens of discipleship lived out in our everyday life. Wow, Kayla, it's as if I wrote it myself and sent it to you, which I did not, by the way, everyone. But I, I love when I have the time to read the reviews that come in, either through iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, you know, the different podcast players that are out there and you're using. Would you take a moment... And just do that same thing. Whatever you're listening to right now, if you're hearing my voice, then you're listening on something that'll allow you probably to subscribe to it so you get it every week. You don't miss. And well, and then if you miss, then you get two next week, right? And then also, if it allows you to leave some sort of a review and some stars, I would appreciate that. It helps encourage other people. And just like Kayla's here, this little review kind of helps explain what the show's about, but from her perspective, and I appreciate that. Um, I have a nifty little link that'll take you to all kinds of different podcast platforms if you're maybe listening on our website or 
Sometimes you listen on your laptop and other times on your phone. You can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe, mm-hmm, forward slash subscribe, and it'll take you to a page with a bunch of little cool stuff there. All right? Yeah. Please do that. I really appreciate the show here. The podcast is uh, no charge. We don't have any pay and sponsors. And... Uh, but that helps us. That helps us just grow and get more people understanding how to live a lifestyle of discipleship. So thanks for that. And if you're loving what you've been hearing on the podcast recently, you find it encouraging and helpful, um, and you'd like to maybe go a little deeper into this lifestyle of discipleship, but with a little bit of help, you know, we we coach people in this life. That's what that's what I do with most of my day is help others make disciples who make disciples, help leaders, pastors, churches set up frameworks and all that. So if you're interested in learning more of a full framework for discipleship and mission and how it can fit into everyday life, if you want to grow in your gospel fluency, that ability to, you know, speak the good news of the gospel into every issue, kind of like we do here on the podcast. I would love a chance to tell you more about the coaching that we offer. I'd love to set up a short Zoom call so we can get together and I can you know, better answer any questions you have, get to know you a little bit, and hopefully get you started with Tina and I right away. Yeah, that's right. I said Tina and I because we coach as couples and we strongly, recommending, uh, strongly recommend that you be coached as a couple if you're married. And if you're not, well, then we'll coach you by yourself. Um, you can get a whole lot more information and even fill out a little bit of a little bit of a form and I can get in touch with you by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Even if you've just been kind of wondering about it, you've heard me talking about it before, or you're thinking, wow, I'm, I'm tired of being a little stuck. The weather's getting nice. How do we start to engage our neighbors or help our church do the same? Please go check out that link. Let's hop on a call and you know, there's no obligation or anything. I just, I'd love to meet you and talk to you. All right. Not too long ago today, just before getting really getting on here to record this episode, I finished up a telemedicine call. Yeah, you know what that is? It's like where you, instead of going to see a doctor, you just set up a Zoom call with them. Nothing wrong, just a consult. But it, it really dawned on me wow, are we doing life in Zoom and through screens these days? And I mean, I'm pretty old buck, but I love technology. But my screen time, not just my phone official app screen time, but my screen time between my laptop all day, phone and TV and all that, it's pretty much off the charts. And and it started making me, as I was thinking about that, because I was like, wow, this is kind of a new thing, meeting a doctor online. And it felt pretty much just like going to the doctor, except I didn't have to wait around. They call me and they said, go ahead and hop on. I started thinking about this. And I think it might even play into what we're going to talk about today here on the Everyday Disciple Podcast, we're going to talk about being salt and light in our divided culture. And I, and I was wondering, maybe our divisions have something, not, not completely, but something to do with living more isolated, like more and more isolated, living through screens. And we're living in ways of our own instant choosing. Think about it. Everything's kind of a click away. But clearly, we live in an extremely and increasingly divided culture. All you have to do is flip on the television for two seconds or scroll through an Instagram or Facebook feed. We know this. We, we all know this. And the divide seems to get be getting deeper and deeper and deeper, not better and better and better. So clearly this technology and our sort of self-isolation and all of our smarts and all the rallies and all the fighting is not making it better. What are some of the reasons for the divides that we have. They're numerous and they're growing. There seems to be a, something new dividing us all the time here in our cancel culture. So clearly politics, that's a huge one, right? Uh, it just seems that 
I don't know, in the last X amount of elections, at least here in the States in my life, the uh, voting's been nearly 50-50, and then we fight about the count, right? How about religion? Yeah, religion's a huge, huge divide. People are all over the place. And even within you know, your branch or whatever, like the denominations are splitting. There's hundreds. I think there's actually thousand plus denominations within Christianity. Uh, That sounds like a divide to me. There's just one Jesus, one command to make disciples, one church, right? According to scripture. Um, But remember when it used to be said that the two things you never want to talk about is politics and religion? (laughs) Yeah. Well, those days are gone. Race divides us. Maybe more than ever, but I don't know. I, horribly, for certain, but I think that's a long-standing thing. Socioeconomics, like the income people have between the haves and the have-nots, like wealth and poverty, that, that gap is getting wider and wider. Uh, politics, oh, I already said that, yeah. <laughs> I know I did. It's just because it's so huge, I had to put it on the list twice. Um, there's a technology divide. Like so many of us access technology and it's life changing for us. You're listening to this podcast right now. You're hearing my voice via a whole lot of technology. If you think about what's really happening and how this podcast gets connected from me talking about it into a computer and through editors and uploaded to clouds and then served up on servers and streaming, right? But not uh, everybody in the world, in fact, a pretty high percentage don't have the kind of access to technology that others have. And so therefore, things like telemedicine and work from home and school and education and all kinds of stuff don't have access to because they either don't have the technology, can't afford it, or they don't understand it or whatever. Uh, There's gender divides, just uh, purely between male and female. And, you know, like whose rights and who's being trampled and we've got privilege and these people don't have privilege, but there's also gender connected to sexuality and people wanting to change their genders. And there's LGBTQ issues that we've fought over and continue to, and it's not politically correct to give your opinion either way, but everybody does. And that, that divides, there's geographic divide. Like some people say, again, here in the States that there's, there's going to be an increasingly uh, big divide between the geographics, like the flyover part of our country versus either the coastal elite, uh, coastal elite or the big, giant urban centers. Like that, those urban centers, if you notice, they're very different politically than all the surrounding counties around them. Huge divide there. What, what's that mean for us? There's age can be a big divide. That's kind of long-standing. Just look at TV and shows and movies. You know, old people don't understand it. The young people are going to save the world. We've got our ideas. Got to get rid of these old people. I can't remember what the movie was. It was a sci-fi movie a lot of years ago. But, like, it was, like, all this turmoil, and the young people were being trampled on and not listened to, so they finally got power, and they were going to get rid of everything. They said, we, it, it, we're going to pass a law, and no one over 35 gets to live, or something like that, right? Whoa, you know? But So that's an extreme you know, example from a sci-fi show. But there is an age divide. People always think that their generation had, you know, did a better job than the next generation, and these kids today, they don't know, right? We've got the cancel culture. That's creating all kinds of divide because it, further isolates, it further closes our mouths, it it drums up lots and lots of fear. I did an episode on the cancel culture that how the gospel is good news to the cancel culture, just not too many, couple months back, you can dig that up if you didn't hear that. There are lawsuits now filed over everything, everything. 
Like the world's become so litigious. If I don't agree, then I'm broken, offended. My rights have been somehow, I don't know, something, I don't, right? This depends on whose side, whatever they're speaking on. And so, you know, if I somehow am not happy, which I'm not, and I get to sue, well, why wouldn't I? Because maybe I can get some money out of the deal and I'll show you. And so, I mean, there's just a, there's just a list that came off the top of my head. There's a lot of things dividing us. So like, what's going to ultimately happen? How do, we, how do we move forward? The ancient mystics, uh, there's this old, old story told by mystics that, about, a, about this old man crossing a rickety old footbridge that spans across a really big, deep valley, like a gorge, okay? And when the old man reaches the middle of the bridge, winds whipping around and it's all starting to sway, he looks down and he's filled with fear and anxiety. And behind him is his known and comfortable past, but in front of him lies a very, very uncertain future. Should he go back to what's familiar or move forward toward the unknown? And gradually, in in this sort of parable, his fear dissipates and he realizes that in order to continue on his journey, he must cross that bridge. Many people today face unparalleled uncertainty about their future with confusion connected to all of it because of deep disagreement about how this chasm might be or even whether it should be healed. Some people don't think so. They really think that's, that's natural and that's where we're going and that's not our place and all that. And so can humanity in general ever move forward to a place where everyone respects one another's differences? As you know, like hopefully as Christians, we're, we see everybody's an image bearer. So those differences are some aspect of God that we're missing out. Yeah, but what about their sin? Well, but that sin is something God created good that's been twisted, maybe because of fear or abuse or selfishness. But can we, can we learn to look differently at each other's lives and differences? Or will we retreat into a set of isolated societies with entrenched and intense divides? You know, we'll just build our encampments. I think in many ways the church has kind of done that over the last bunch of decades, at least since I came to faith, which has been a while. Seems like we kind of just build up our isolation. And Tina and I have this uh, sort of phrase we use when we're driving around and we see a church building and their property and parking lots surrounding it, and then it's gated. We always go, wow, nothing says welcome, we love you, like a gate, like a locked gate. <laughs> yeah, right? So I, I don't know. I'm not there again. I don't want to throw stones at it, but I think probably you'd agree that in some ways the church has just isolated from the problems with you know, private schooling and more and more homeschooling and this, and, I, and I'm not throwing shade on either of those, but I think some of those things are how we have ended up isolated, even if we've done them for good reasons. And, and some Christians take the stance that this is, all this divide and all that is just the effects of sin, and there's nothing we can really do about it. It's just, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, and then it's all going to burn. Jesus is going to come back. So, so they just, there's nothing we can really do about it. So they just retreat into that Christian bubble I was just talking about even deeper. And then, you know, once in a while, they come out to throw rocks at whatever, you know, the sin du jour, whatever the sin of the day is. And often now they do it from the comfort of their laptop or their phone through social media. Ick. All right. It's not helping. It really hasn't. No one would say, wow, we're closer as a humanity now because of social media and the ability to hide and just chuck rocks at people. Man, it kills me when our family, right, Christians, like brothers and sisters, when we live that way. But I know, I know it's so confusing. So, so do we retreat 
or do we engage this cultural divide at a person-to-person level, or do we engage it as a systematic response? And, I, and I, I'm thinking about this, and I'm wondering, can we, like Jesus said, begin to live as both salt and light in this increasingly divided culture we find ourselves in? I mean, we just take a look at Jesus' words in the book of Matthew. Um, Jesus is, is having a talk with his disciples, right, his buddies, um, and it's directly on the heels of him laying out the Beatitudes. It's all part of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm not sure why it's called a sermon. Isn't that interesting how our Bibles put that in there, the Sermon on the Mount? He's just sitting on the hillside there on the ground with his 12 closest friends. Anywho, um, and he's speaking to them. Remember, this is a part of the, you know, right after the Beatitudes, he's speaking to them at a time that the cultural worldview was as divided as it had ever been in the world. The Jews saw the world as clearly divided between Israel and everyone else. That's just how they saw it. And this is what Jesus tells his disciples as they sit there on the dirt on a hillside. This is Matthew 5, sort of starting in 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. Now, I, I was doing a little digging on this, and I'm going to go on in that passage, but if salt has lost its flavor, in the original language that Jesus spoke that in, actually, it's weird. It says it loses its flavor. It's like to be foolish or to act foolishly, to make flat and tasteless. That's what, isn't that crazy? So if salt, which is a purpose to make things taste good, and I, I don't know, it also can act as a preservative, but really here what's talking about is is... If salt loses its saltiness, it becomes foolish. It's useless. It's flat and tasteless, and it's just might as well throw it out. Let's not act foolishly in light of the divide here. Now, the, the message version of that same passage in Matthew 5.13, I love how it says this. Let me tell you why you're here. This is Jesus talking. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so good. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. That sounds like bringing joy and glory to God and richness and beauty, right? And, and preserving what's good and helping people get to that. And that sounds like the opposite of chucking rocks and hiding out and being divided. Going on, uh, in the NIV, Jesus says, and you are the light of the world. So he, he takes this analogy of salt, and then he goes on, and he goes, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and therefore see what God's like. Glorify God, your Father in heaven. And, and again, I got I to gotta share with you the message version. It makes it so clear and beautiful to me. That same passage, after talking about, you know, you're to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth, he goes, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. 
Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God too, this generous father of ours in heaven. Wow. Now, you see how like we're talking about how to be salt and light in a divided culture? Doesn't that sound like exactly like what we need? And remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples here, sitting around in the dirt, having a conversation with his buddies in a very, very divided culture. And, you know, after going through the Beatitudes, he's giving them this. There's a lot in there for us. So, so given the high probability right now that not everyone we encounter will want to receive our saltiness, our flavor, and our light bearing as good news... Um, not automatically at least, how do we live as salt and light in a divided culture? Let me, let me give you three ideas I've got here. First one is be an advocate for the underdog. Uh-huh. Yeah, be an advocate for those that are different and, and sort of the marginalized and maybe they have a voice that you don't like. So often, we don't really want to hang out with the underdog. They're, they're usually pretty broken and needy people, and that makes us uncomfortable. Or we look at the situations that people on the other side of an issue or divide, you know, have, be it racial or political or gender identity, et cetera. We look at the situations they're in, and, and we don't want to advocate for their care and restoration. I want to encourage you, be an advocate for those people. You're not condoning anything. You're looking at their situation. You're seeing them as image bearers and the way that Jesus sees them, and you're starting to salt it up. You're starting to shine some light on the situation that they might be helped. Look at Proverbs 31, 8 to 9. And this is also in the message. It says, speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the misfits. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and the destitute. That's from Proverbs. Here's Isaiah 1, 17. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. Oh, it's so good. And here's another Psalm 82.3 in the IV. It says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. The Bible, there's so much in the Bible about this. And it's, why is it, is it, is it well, is it speaking to divided culture? Of course it is. Because what happened at the fall? God and man were separated. Adam and Eve began to blame each other and hide. It's all That's the story that we see of the fall, is division. Of course all this is speaking to that. Jesus said it this way. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering, you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped over for a visit. I was in prison and you... That was my fault. You came to me, or maybe it wasn't. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Wow, you know how we talk about treating everyone like family? And I know some people get flipped out on that. Only Christians are brothers and sisters. Well, not according to Jesus. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He's not talking about those people in your church here. That, that didn't exist. That, that can't be the context. He's talking about in life, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters you've done to me, healing the divide between us and others starts 
with defending the defenseless and sticking up for the underdog. It's beautiful. Okay, here's the second one. So first, first, right, the first one, be an advocate for the underdog. Here's the second one. Err on the side of grace. Yeah, in your life, err on the side of grace. All that, you know, everyone on both sides of an argument or divided issue seems to talk about is seeking justice. We demand justice. You just turn on the news for 10 minutes, you're going to hear that word a lot, okay? Go to court, you're going to hear it a lot. Remember, though, in Scripture, the word, the Hebrew word for justice has the same root and meaning. It's really the same word as righteous. And, and both carry with it the idea of uh, to return or restoration. See, justice is about restoration. We've talked about that. I have a whole episode on that. You can Google that and find it, I'm sure. Justice is about restoration. Restoration in the ways that God has always intended for this world, for everyone. That all gets accomplished by his grace, Mm -hmm. by his kindness. That's what scripture says. That's what leads to repentance, a new mind. And by the way, repentance means to return, (laughs) right? Which that's that same root again coming out. Grace, yeah. That's what leads to this return, this restoration, this new mind about how this goes. That's what starts to heal a divide between us, between people, between groups, between us and God. So when you're thinking about an issue, when you're discussing an issue, faced with dealing with people involved in an issue, whatever it is, regardless of whose fault you think it is, go with grace. Err on the side of grace, right? Grace is unmerited favor. So maybe someone's in a situation or a whole people group is in a situation and you look at it either politically or racially or whatever category and you go, yeah, well, that's because of this. And if you just stop, grace is unmerited favor, right? God has shown you and me and everyone so much grace, so much unmerited favor. We get to be the flavor of grace in this world which will be the brightest light imaginable in the darkness of our current culture. I promise you. So maybe, maybe we need to stop worrying about who is right and who is wrong and whose fault something is so much and go for grace. Uh, you know, you'll never look back at your life and think, man, I was just too full of grace in my life. Should have been harder. In fact, when all is revealed and when we get to hang out with Jesus face to face, we will finally realize just how much grace and unmerited favor God has shown us, and we're going to be undone. I know it, and, we're going to, and then we're going to rejoice forever. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, be an advocate for the underdog. Err on the side of grace. And here's the third thing. Keep an open door and an open mind. Mm-hmm. Keep an open door and an open mind. Living with an open door means we're going to let people into our lives, into our homes, and we're going to make room in our schedules to do that for for those who may be different than us or have extremely different opinions on life or religion or politics and culture. This takes intention. Remember, we're talking about living as salt and light in a divided culture. We're not talking about how to avoid it. So yeah, guess what? You might need to open up your calendars. Pick a night of the week. Do something. Invite someone over. So, you know, that, that family's very different than ours. Or they're always putting out signs in their yard, and I don't agree with it. Great. Have them over. You'll be amazed at how much can change 
between two people or two groups of people or two families if we just sit down and have a meal together and listen and discuss. And, and humility shows us to always have an open mind to the experiences and understanding of others. That, that's, that's a humble position, not, not self-righteous and I'm always right. Like, right? We want to have an open mind to others' experiences and the way they see the world, especially if we've not walked a mile in their shoes or a hundred miles or a decade of walking and experiencing life and work and respect in different ways than we have. That's the best thing we can do. We're living our lives more isolated than ever. It's not helping. And we live lives more of our own instant choosing than ever. Open up your schedule, your home, your hearts to be with people, to talk, to get to know and share your story, get to know their story, and share your story of redemption. Let the light of the gospel tune and retune your ears and salt your words in beautiful and flavorful ways. So be an advocate for the underdog, err on the side of grace, and keep an open door and an open mind. That's a lot to think about, and that's going to take some intention and, and some help and guidance and power and strength from the Spirit. It really will. We've been hiding out for too long or chucking rocks from the corner at each other. Now, as always, I, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from this. I'll kind of summarize this so if nothing else, you don't miss these big points. I'll send you, by the way, a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download if you want it. I'll kind of, this is all written out, nice and readable, and you can share it with others and maybe even have some discussions. If you want to get that big three, go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Now, here are the big three for this week. Guess what? You're going to know what they are. So first one, again, is be an advocate for the underdog. Hanging out with or defending the broken, messy people in this world or those that have very different opinions than us can be hard to do or hard to want to do. When you stick up for those on the wrong side of the tracks or the wrong side of an issue, you're actually showing love to Jesus. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus did not say to live this way only when we're in agreement with that person. Number two, err on the side of grace. When we've truly grasped the good news and grace that the gospel offers us, It'll move our hearts to be gracious with others, gracious with those that are hard to be with or those that we flat out disagree with. How long did you live life, your life, in disagreement with or in a divided way from God, certain that you were right and that the world or God owed you something? Jesus came and he took that unrightness of yours upon himself and exchanged his perfectly righteous life for ours on the cross. He's done that. Showing grace to others extends the glory of God into lives that are filled with darkness and division. Okay, now number three. Keep an open door and open mind. We're living our lives, like I said, more isolated than ever because of technology, but also because of fear. Remember this, God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others and their opinions that are different than ours. So here's what I want to suggest. Pick a night each week and have someone who's different than you over for a meal 
or someone that you're just getting to know, or maybe someone that you're pretty sure has a pretty different worldview than you. Open up your schedule, your home, your hearts to be with people. Let's start by closing the cultural divide that may exist between the guy living right next door to us, okay? I'll bet that's going to give you plenty to think about, chew on, and hopefully get started on. Now, and remember, if, if you're interested in learning to be fluent in the gospel and, and, and have a full framework for discipleship and mission and living this way, I'd love you to be part of the coaching that we're offering. There's still a few spots left. Check it out at least. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. I'd love to be able to have these kind of discussions and help you learn how to make disciples in light of this way of thinking, how the gospel speaks into everyday life. Well, that's about it for today. Uh, I want to invite you to join me next week. We'll be, we'll be talking about sharing your faith after you've blown it with someone. You know, how do you go back after way overdoing it, t- trying to share your faith, and you've just mucked it up? How, how do you share your faith after blowing it with someone? I think that's going to be kind of fun uh, and a pretty important conversation. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you then. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.